You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning, Oasis family. How's everyone doing? Good, good, good. good. Um, before I start, can we just say God is good? God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. Amen. Man, I'm, um, I'm excited to be uh, preaching today. Uh, for those of you guys who do not know me, my name is Kevin Moger. I'm uh, married to the beautiful children's pastor, uh, Alexis Willis. And um, today I'm going to be continuing the sermon series, Then Sings My Soul. This series is a collection of music that has some way and somehow spoken and uh, touched our hearts in some way, shape, or form with the person who's um, communicating it. And uh, when I got asked to, um, to preach this song, uh, well, preach this uh, message, one thing came to mind. The first thing that came to mind is that when I'm picking a song, it's kind of like I'm giving you guys an opportunity to peer into my soul. And if you guys do not like the song that I'm choosing, then it's going to be a really awkward 20 minutes. <laughs> The second thing I noticed um, as I was preparing for this message is that there's a lot of moments in life where something just strikes a chord within us. It may come in the form of a baby's laughter. It may come in the form of, of a baby's smile or a baby's cry. It may come in the form of a sunrise or a sunset, but there are certain moments that happen in our life that impact us in a very, very powerful way. Sometimes it's audibly, sometimes it's just internally. But the moment for me that struck a chord with me is when I heard the song Stupid Deep by John Bellion. To give a little backstory about who John Bellion is, he is an artist, producer, musician, and rapper from Long Island, New York. And when John was in the process of writing this song Stupid Deep, he initially wanted to call it The Realization. But after observing the way the lyrics panned out, he decided to call it something else. This song is an introspective, sentimental ballad that builds through a series of questions that John is asking himself as it progresses. Um, the, instrument, uh, the instrumentation and production in both the studio and acoustic version kind of create a feeling of being submerged underwater. And that's the same kind of imagery that they use inside of the music video as well. This atmosphere grows as the song goes on, and John sings the chorus twice more, almost as if he's drowning in the questions, then ultimately coming up and gasping for ear. Has anyone, does anyone remember the first time that they felt demon-possessed? No, just me? Yeah, that's cool. Um, the first time I felt demon-possessed... <laughs> Was when I was uh, when I was 11 years old. It was back in 2003, and it was when the movie, the original movie, The Haunted Mansion, came out. I went to go see it with my um, with my aunt and my uncle and, their, and my cousins. And I'm sitting in the movie theater, and I'm terrified because I see ghouls and goblins and floating heads, and I hear these terrifying shrieks. And I'm like, man, I cannot wait to get home, and I cannot wait for this to end. And eventually, the movie ends, and I end up going home, and I go to bed. But the movie continued inside of my mind. You see, I had a nightmare. I had a nightmare that I was stuck in this haunted mansion, running from place to place, opening every door, just trying to escape from this nightmare. And I'm like, what is going on? I was terrified. And I remember as the dream continued to go on, I started hearing voices that sounded really, really familiar. And as I continued to listen, I started to realize that these voices were my family members. And these voices weren't coming from my dream. They were coming from reality. 
And so I'm sitting there in my nightmare, but also I'm cognitive of what's going on around me. And I thought that was demon possession, but years later I realized it's called sleep paralysis. But what's interesting is that I would never forget that moment. I would never forget the experience of being fully awake but not being able to move. That's the feeling you start to get when you listen to this song, Stupid Deep. And as you listen to the lyrics, you start to realize that these lyrics are wrapped in the question of asking yourself, though I am alive, am I truly living? One of my favorite memories of John Bellion was when I was a senior in my undergrad. I was scrunched up in a back seat with three, uh, three of my best friends, and we were driving to like a Wendy's or something, late night trip, and we were listening to Pandora, and Overwhelming by John Bellion started to play. I said, yeah, I think I got one. My soul is presidential like Baroxon. Yeah, she called me Goose. I call her Maverick because we're Top Gun. They think we're annoying. They're just jealous that we got one. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, just a little something. I'll sign autographs at the end. But, um, but I heard that song, and that was the moment that I fell in love with John Bellion. I wanted to listen to all of his songs. I wanted to listen to all of his lyrics. And it was so amazing because right in that moment, the beat dropped, and I'm bumping from side to side. I'm smiling from ear to ear. My voice is just all loud, and, you know, I cannot sing. But I was in that moment, and it was amazing. And with each song that I listened to, and each experience that I had with his music, I started to realize not only how powerful his lyrics were, but how each album had a spiritual sentiment sprinkled in it. In the behind the scenes of, making, of the making of Stupid Deep, John stated that the entire process of making this song was kind of like a church service and a therapy session mixed into one. That as he's writing the song, tears continually stream down his face because he recognized the, speci the, the, the specialness of what poured out of him did not come from him. But it had to come from somewhere else. See, Stupid Deep isn't a song that's just meant to be pleasing to the listener's ears. But instead, it's meant to focus on the core of who we are as human beings. The first curse of the song goes, what if who I've hoped to be was always me? And the love I fought to feel was always free. What if all the things I've done were just attempts at earning love? I can't sing. Because the hole inside my heart is stupid deep. Stupid deep. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that deep, like stupid deep? <laughs> Those lyrics hit me and they hit me hard because those lyrics are questions that don't allow me to answer in a surface way or to have wishful thinking. These lyrics cause me to do an, ex an honest examination of who I am right now in this moment. And it starts to beg the question, am I satisfied with who I am? Am I in love with this current version of myself? Has my efforts to have feel and to give love left me feeling satisfied and fulfilled. These questions are oftentimes never asked outwardly, but they're constantly pondered upon inwardly. And these questions are tough because they oftentimes cause us to ignore everything. And it oftentimes causes us to say like, hey, we don't have to address it. And the reason why we find it in the last, last uh, lyric of the song is because there is a hole inside of our chest that is stupid deep. And it's better for us to ignore it than to address it. 
I bet in this moment we're starting to feel that sinking feeling that John is talking about in this, um, in this song. This feeling that sometimes overwhelms us or paralyzes us. Or in other cases, it inspires us and challenges us to be better. Whatever side you find yourself on, we realize that this, cur- this chorus is not being sung by someone who is blind to their reality. But it's a chorus of someone who's singing and they're discovering that they are on a path of discovery and acceptance. See, I know this because the second chorus starts to reveal that he's discovering something. It says, what if where I've tried to go was always here? And the path that I've tried to cut was always clear. Why has life become a plan to put some money in my hand when the love I really need is stupid cheap? Stupid cheap. (laughs) As the song goes on, John is gripping and starting to realize that all he had is all he ever needed. John is starting to realize that all he has sought after, all that he tried to obtain, the fame, the fortune, the accolades, the the prestige, all of these things that he tried to attain has left him feeling the same way and that is empty. He started to realize that there's something more in life. Better yet, that there's someone more in life. He's starting to realize that this thing that he's been desiring, this thing that he has been wanting, it was something that was simple, easy, and attainable. He calls it stupid cheap. But in the Christian world, we call it stupid free. Because we had a father who sent down his son who loved us, who lived a blameless life and died on the cross so that you and I can have eternal life. It was free. It's a free gift. All we have to do is receive it. This song, it brings to light the fact that we are all searching for something. That we're all attempting to satisfy something in our hearts that has made us feel empty. Whether, and we try to fill it, whether it's in a good way or a bad way. But again, there's no way we're going to fill this hole by something the world has to offer. We can only fill this hole inside of our chest by a man named Jesus Christ. We see all over in the Bible how people have tried to fill a hole inside of their chest. But one person in particular came to my mind. His name is Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. And Zacchaeus was considered to be the worst sinner, the sinners of sinners, the worst of the worst. And the reason why he was considered to be worst of the worst is because back then, chief tax collectors were people who were very, very bad. They were notorious for extorting people from money, extorting people more than they were supposed to do, but also they were notorious for being of the Jewish community. And so there were Jewish people stealing from their friends and their family and other Jewish people and working for the benefit of the Roman Empire. So in other words, this is a man who's supposed to be a friend, who's uplifting the people who is oppressing his own people, and so people hated him. People thought he was disgusting. No one wanted to be around him. He was horrible. And this man, this man had an encounter that changed his life forever. I'm going to read Luke chapter 19, chapter 1 through 9. And it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, a.k.a. a short king, he, um, he could not see over the crowd. <laughs> so 
So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the, he had gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Man, I love the way this story opens up because Jesus is walking into town as he typically does. And a crowd is following him as they typically do. And people from all over are just trying to see Jesus. But what makes this story so important and so interesting is the fact that Zacchaeus is the one that's trying to see Jesus. Like I said, Zacchaeus, he, he's not supposed to be a friend of Jesus because Jesus is, uh, people are proclaiming he's the son of God. And apparently he has come to dismantle and destroy the, the very people that he's working for, the Roman Empire. But yet Zacchaeus has this innate desire to go and meet and figure out who this Jesus is. I think the reason why Zacchaeus wanted to see him so bad is because Zacchaeus, he had a powerful desire that he could not, could not contain. He had a powerful desire of being seen and being known. And what's so interesting is that the emphasis on Zacchaeus Zacchaeus' desire to see Jesus is so overlooked and honestly is insignificant compared to the power and the desire of Jesus wanting to see Zacchaeus. See, Zacchaeus, he's feeling empty. He's like, I need to know what this man is all about. I heard the things that he has done. I've heard the way he has changed people's lives. And I want to know who is this man named Jesus? And Jesus sees Zacchaeus and he calls him by name and says, Zacchaeus, you need to come down immediately. I need to stay in your house. The first thing I want you to learn, know about this sermon, about Zacchaeus and, and this song, is that Jesus, he notices you. Proverbs 15.3 says, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Keep an eye on the wicked and the good. It does not matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter if you consider yourself good, if you consider yourself bad. It doesn't matter. What matters is that Jesus sees you. He knows exactly where you are in life. He sees your pain. He sees your anger. He sees your loneliness. He sees your joy. He sees your desires. He sees your dreams. He sees all of it. And what he says is, come down. I must stay in your house. I don't know where you are in this moment. But Jesus does. He's strong enough to carry your weight. He's strong enough to carry your hurt. He's strong enough to carry it all. And all he's saying is invite me into your home. He tells Zacchaeus, I want to stay where you are. I don't care what the condition of your home looks like. I must stay there. I don't care what it smells like. I must stay there. I don't care who sees me going into your house. I must stay there. 
How do we know Jesus doesn't care? Because in verse 6 and 7, it says, Once Zacchaeus came down, he welcomed him gladly. And in verse 7 says, All the people that saw him, they began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of sinners. He has gone to be a guest of sinners, right? So a small detail that Luke adds, in Zacchaeus, um, adds is that Zacchaeus climbed up a tree and he specifies what type of tree it is. He tells readers that it is a sycamore tree. And a sycamore is, uh, tree is mentioned seven times in the Old Testament. It happens if, it's a, uh, excuse me, it appears as if Luke adds the detail of the tree reference as an instance to the last time the uh, sycamore tree was mentioned in the Bible. And that was found in Amos chapter 7, verse 4 and 15. And it says this, Amos answered um, uh, Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor a son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd. And I also took care of the sycamore fig tree. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people in Israel. I don't know if you notice it, the, the parallel of this story, but the moment we read the story in Amos and look at the story in Zacchaeus, we start to realize that these were both unlikely people that Jesus selected to enter into their home. They were both people that were oftentimes overlooked and ostracized because of who they were. But Jesus said, I must come into your home and I can use you. But better yet, he said, I see you. Your condition of your home does not matter. Growing up, I think we all had parents who said, hey, a guest is coming over, now go clean your room. And we all had the question, why do I need to clean my room? Are we eating in there? Is that where we're all going to go and socialize? Like, I, I don't get it. <laughs> We've all had that question, but now growing up, I start to realize that, hey, we have to have the whole entire house clean because you never know when we want to show a room to somebody. See, Jesus said, hey, I want to come into your home. And the home is all-inclusive. It doesn't just mean the living room. It doesn't just mean the dining room. It means your whole room. I want to enter into every room that you have. I want to see the garbage that has been piled up. I want to see the dis disorder that's happening inside of your home. I want to see everything because I want to see you. See, Jesus, he wants to come into our lives. He's saying, I want to step into the room and the spaces where you are. And I want to have a conversation. I want to interact with you. I want you to know who I am just as much as I know who you are. And Jesus didn't let what the crowds were saying stop him from entering and going to the home of Zacchaeus. If Jesus cared what people thought about, he wouldn't have involved himself with Zacchaeus, but also so many other people in the Bible. Jesus doesn't care about what other people are thinking. He doesn't care about what other people are saying. He's solely focused on entering into your house. The crowd rejected Zacchaeus because of his past and because of who he was, but Jesus didn't care. He accepted him. He accepted who Zacchaeus was, and that's the second point. Jesus accepts who you are. When we leave here today, I don't want us to be the crowd. When we leave here today, I don't want us to start looking at other people and saying, why are they hanging out with that person? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Do not be the crowd. Be Zacchaeus who gladly accepts Jesus into his life, into his home, and allows himself to be changed from the inside out. 
Zacchaeus said, look, Lord, here and now I would give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And in Jesus' loving grace, he tells Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. Jesus acknowledges who Zacchaeus is. Jesus noticed and sees who Zacchaeus is, but he accepts him more than anything. Jesus, he accepts us for who we are. Regardless of what we believe, regardless of what we've grown up in, regardless of what we're going to go and do after this, he accepts us for who you are. The Bible says, come as you are. My brother, he's always like, man, like, I can't go to church. I got to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm reading or I'm praying or I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. And, he, and I'm like, no, 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 it, it doesn't work like that. It's not by our works that we get to have access to Jesus. It's just by believing and trusting in him that we get to have access to Jesus. So come as you are. Because Jesus, he accepts you for who you are. He wants to get to know you. He wants to enter into your presence. He wants to enter into your room. Zacchaeus, all his life, he wanted to be seen and accepted. And the moment he let Jesus come in is the moment he started to realize who he was. Remember how I told you that Zacchaeus was a a chief tax collector and considered to be the worst sinner, the sinners of sinners, the worst of the worst? That was his identity for so long. But what's interesting is that Zacchaeus' name actually means innocent and pure. After how many years Zacchaeus has been living, this was the first time he started living by the name that Jesus gave him. This is the first time that he started to realize and accept that, that I'm innocent and I'm pure in the sight of God. I understand what I have done in the past. I understand why people are calling me by this name, but this is no longer who I am. I'm whom Jesus calls me. I don't know where you are in life. I don't know where you are in this moment. But disregard what everyone else has been saying about you. And understand that Jesus calls you a child. He calls you loved. He said that he is for you and not against you. And his love is big enough to carry and cover all of your sins. In the Bible it says that no height nor depth, no angel nor demon, nothing that was made or will be made can separate us from the love of God. That's not a cute saying. That's a promise and a declaration that he has made to those who have decided to follow him, but also those who didn't decide to follow him, that he loves them. He has a plan and a purpose for them. You see, the parallel between Stupid Deep and the life of Zacchaeus are pretty powerful because each of them are struggling with this sense of acceptance and identity. They're struggling to finally feel this freedom and fulfillment that he has heard so many other people have. Jesus sees you. He accepts you. When I first decided to, uh, to follow Christ and accepted Jesus into my life, I was in the sixth grade. I didn't really know what it meant. I was just like, all right, cool, Jesus, woohoo. <laughs> and a few years later, I'm a senior in, uh, in high school, and I go to a Bible, uh, Bible camp. And um, it was an amazing, amazing time. met a lot of really cool people. But that was the moment where I felt my call into ministry. But at 17 years old, I didn't really know what that meant. 
I thought it was still me serving. I thought it was still me um, going to church on Sundays. I thought it was me volunteering and all that. So after I graduated from high school, I had this call to go into ministry, but I go into a community college because I want to save money, right? And so I go into community college. After going to community college, I go to a state college, and, um, and I go to early childhood education because I want to be a teacher. I love working with kids. They make me laugh. We're, we have the same mental level and all that good stuff, right? <laughs> And so I'm going, I'm in this state college, and I'm literally just going through the motions. I'm going to class, I'm going to lunch, I'm interacting with friends, I'm going to sleep, rinse and repeat. Day after day after day after day. I remember after the first semester ended, I was like, man, there has to be something more. I'm I'm not living to my fullest potential. I'm not living the way that I know that I'm supposed to be, but I don't know what that is. And then one of my friends was like, hey, like, you should come uh, help me drop, uh, go to Bible college. Uh, it's like a, two hours away. Come with me and, you know, just check out the school. I went there and immediately I felt the presence of God. And I knew this is where I'm supposed to be. After that, uh, that year at that secular college happened, I decided to uh, transfer and I went to a Bible college. And that's when I realized God was calling me to be a pastor. He called me to be a pastor. And I think a lot of times when we get a call from God, I don't know about you, but sometimes we're like, yeah, awesome. God wants me to do this. That's great. But me, I was not like that at all. I was scared. I was insecure. I was like, God, how do you, you want me to be a mouthpiece to your people, but I'm afraid to use my voice. Lord, I have a lisp. I slur my S's. You want me to go up every Sunday. You want me to go up and interact with people that I don't even know. And you want me to share that insecurity with people every day? I, Lord, that, that's, that's too hard. And I felt like the Lord was telling me, Kevin, I see you. I see your insecurities. I see your fears. I see all the things that you are afraid of doing, but I want to let you know I accept that. And I want you to come with those fears. I want you to move in those insecurities. I want you to know it doesn't matter how you view yourself. You need to know how I view you. And I see you as the head and not the tail. I see you as a child of God. I see you as someone who's going to be strong and courageous. And you don't need to fear about anything because I am with you every step of the way. Zacchaeus, he finally got that revelation. John Bellion sings about this revelation of accepting who he was because that hole inside of his chest is finally filled with something otherworldly. <laughs> that hole is finally filled with a man named Jesus. I don't know where we are today, but I want to encourage you that God sees you, that God accepts you, and God's ready to step into your room. Step into your home and take control of everything. Pastor Robbie once said that when we have Jesus, he isn't filling a hole in us, H-O-L-E, but he's filling the whole of us, W-H-O-L-E. As we leave, you're going to be given a coin. I actually have that coin. It looks like this. For those of you guys who have good vision, it has a cross and it equals... As a cross, an equal sign, and a heart. And what this coin symbolizes is that Jesus is love. And every time we look at this coin, I want us to remember that he sees us. 
that he accepts us and that he loves us and that we don't have to fill a hole by anything else that this world has to offer. We only can fill this hole with Jesus. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.